This is New Classical Tracks from American Public Media. If you're enjoying this podcast, the best thing that you can do for the show is tell somebody else about it, spread the word, and take a moment to rate and review us on your podcasting app. The last time I talked to cellist Matt Heimovitz was in 2020, and he was just embarking on a brand new, very big commissioning project. 81 contemporary composers were writing new pieces for cello. The second recording in this six-album series was recently released. It's called Primavera II, The Rabbits. The inspiration comes from two different paintings, and Matt Heimovitz tells us more about that this week on New Classical Tracks from American Public Media. I'm Julia Macher. Matt, the last time that you and I talked, I believe it was in the fall of 2020, and you mentioned at that time that you were diving into this new large-scale commissioning project where you were going to commission 81 composers to be part of this project. And I know that now this project is well underway. Tell me a little bit about the genesis for the idea of this project? Well, we are about halfway there now. So, so I think we have about 40, 35 to 40 of the pieces recorded and, of course, commissioned. The genesis really centers around two paintings. One is the Sandro Botticelli Primavera, an iconic painting that's in the Uffizi Gallery in Florence. And when my partner and I, Jeffrey Ann Young and I, encountered this painting, we kind of became obsessed with it and just started reading all up, all about it and the mysteries and the, the stories, the narratives, the, the, the symbolism. And then we also, around that time, discovered at the Hirschhorn Gallery, we just walked into a one-woman show by the great artist Charlene Von Hale, who lives part of the time in Marfa, Texas, and part of the time in New York City. And we were just blown away by her work as well. I just felt that she had such a sense of musicality, of counterpoint and, and uh, layers to her, to her work. And we met with Charlene and talked about the Botticelli and about the state of the world and just had hours with her. And she looked up at her wall and there was a big mural-like painting and she said, you know, I think I'm done with this painting. I'm going to start working on your painting. And we hadn't even asked her for a painting. So it was, it was sort of this incredible connection that, that we made in Marfa, Texas. And so Charlene created Primavera 2020, a response to the Botticelli. And that's what we're asking all of the composers to do is, is respond and engage those two paintings in any way that they want to interpret them. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the mysteries in the Botticelli that really struck you? Well, one aspect of it is it's a very spiritual painting. It's it's something just glows about it, but it's not overtly religious. So you have this forest and Venus is kind of surrounded by these branches in a way that is church-like, but it's not a church. And the other aspect is, you know, the the uh, just the variety of flora in the in the painting. It, there's so many details in it. 
Um, and then, you know, just the idea of the characters in, in the painting. There are so many stories being told and what is going on with Zephyrus and the, the vegetation coming, you know, just taking over Chloris and Flora and, and connecting them. And then you have the, you have the dance of the, of the graces and what is Mercury doing there, you know, looking up to the sky and Cupid is up there, you know, you're wondering if there's some drama going on with the graces and yeah, it's just sort of endless. The, you know, you can just interpret it in so many different ways. Now, let me think. So we're talking Primavera, which is springtime. And I'm wondering, is there significance of this coming out of perhaps a pandemic and new life in that way? I think when we began to contemplate a multimedia project, something that would originate with another art form and then and then inspire music, that painting had so much richness to it. And then in talking to Charlene, you know, and how animated she became about it. And she's an abstract artist, really. She considers herself an abstract artist. So for her, I mean, I think this is this may be the first time she's done figures in a long, long time, you know, in a painting. And and so she got all excited. There's something about it resonated with with, you know, both a sense of hopefulness, a sense of also a celebration of nature when our environment is is ill and we're not taking care of it enough you know a sense of real humanity in the sense of even from a 15th century point of view in terms of what does it mean what connects us beyond a religious organized religion you know so, so you know sort of higher spirituality in a way or or a common spirituality and a renewal sense of renewal and and the idea of also violence and destruction and renewal coming out of that and and sort of the hope that that can bring and i mean the, the you know the seasons and the cycles of nature help us every every year we 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 go through that sense of renewal but it's kind of you know last time we talked there it was a pandemic and still kind of a pandemic and now now it's a war you know it's like i mean it's just you know things happen um that are that are really outside of our control and and we really me personally and i think jeffrey ann young uh who's also collaborated on this project and charlene von hale we feel very very strongly that art is our way out and our grounding and our inspiration for really dealing with with all of this there's a lot packed into that painting and we thought that it would it would um it has already stood the test of time and i think i think it will continue for uh, for centuries and centuries so 81 composers have been commissioned 81 premieres what is magic about the number 81 well it was supposed to be nine and it was supposed to be uh tone poems for cello and orchestra and then all my orchestral dates dried up because orchestras shut down for a while and i wanted to play and i i was kind of going nuts not having work and uh so so basically that it you know the idea came well why, why don't we just make it a solo cello project for now and then i I really wanted to get out of my comfort zone. I I wanted to 
you know, I, I love the composers that I work with every, you know, all the time, but I wanted to go beyond that and really celebrate the diversity out there. And it's really, I mean, immersed in this project, I realize, you know, it sort of confirms my belief that we are in a golden age of music in many ways. There, There's just such a range of languages and talent out there. It's really pretty extraordinary. So the, the nine composers that we start with recommend the next nine, and then those nine recommend the next nine. And that's it's a viral commissioning project, and, and finally we get nine layers deep into the 81. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you for explaining that. And uh, the word viral, that's a little, okay, well, but. <laughs> that's the world we, we found ourselves in. <laughs> so now you have to learn all these pieces. How's that going? You said you're about halfway done with the recording process, even though the second recording was recently released. What's this like for you learning these pieces that you are the first one to perform? Well, it has its benefits because you can work with the composer and and shape, help shape what's happening and of course the these composers are breathing living people who can tell you what they like and don't like and and uh, make changes and um so there's that there's also the challenge of yeah I haven't heard and this music before and many times I haven't even played that kind of style or even after all the new music that I've played uh, new techniques that are completely not idiomatic to me, but they're they're inherent in the in the instrument, and, and these composers dream them up, and I have to figure out how to how to do it. And uh, so, and and you know, of course, you're you're also dealing with so many different personalities, which is fascinating. And and some are more hands on, some are more hands off, and just you know, sounds great. <laughs> we like what you're doing. I had no idea it could sound like that. And others are like, no, 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 no. I want you know this tempo marking and and that crescendo on that note and this articulation and like they're very very specific. So it's it's a it's a big variety, and it's just been one of the most rewarding projects I've ever been able to work on. Is just you know just to have in this time all of these new notes and and new material to work with and and these these people to to engage and and have a back and forth and um and now it's very exciting to to start to play these pieces live and we we managed also the recording process has been pretty spectacular and and interesting we recorded everything in charlene's studio artist studio in marfa texas she's got this cathedral ceiling old converted hardware store in in downtown marfa and uh it's not a recording studio and we had to figure out how to record there with our producer david frost in new york city getting high def sound and uh, our engineer with us in in marfa and the composers coming in on zoom at the same time that i'm recording and um and we're all masked up and it's you know the painting is there behind me that's a very, very inspiring. And so it was a, a fascinating experience and also pretty magical to be in Marfa, actually, in, in southwest Texas, you know, in this surreal landscape for many weeks during the pandemic. It was really very special. You mentioned that there were sounds coming out of you and your instrument that maybe you didn't even know were possible. Can you give me an example where we might hear that on this second recording, which is called The Rabbits? One interesting piece is by Nilufar Nurbaksh, a Persian composer. 
It's called Cyclical Rabbits. And I begin with some plucking that sounds like an oud. It sounds like a Persian instrument. The way she gets that effect is she uses um, sticky tack to stick onto the string, the lower part of the string, and I change the pitch of my A and D string and keep the G and C string the same. And I'm, I'm sort of plucking like a guitar. Oud. I mean, you wouldn't recognize it as a cello. I think it sounds, it sounds kind of more hollow and sort of um, very resonant and, and interesting. And so that's one kind of new technique. I, I have not used sticky tuck on my cello before. Uh, Nina Shekhar, Negative Space. It's a very abstract piece. And that, the two of us had to figure out. I mean, she had a conception of what she wanted, but it's all kind of a little bit more inspired, I would say, by, let's say, Lachenmann, or that, that idea of unpitched sounds and, you know, sort of scrapes and, and scratches and sort of harmonics, overtones that you wouldn't expect coming out of open strings. In fact, I don't think I, do I use my left hand at all? I don't think I use my left hand except for maybe a couple of harmonics. So it's, it's all in the bow, that, that piece. It's a very different way of playing and very rhythmic too. So at, at times I have to really find a groove. Envisioning you in Charlene's art studio making this recording with the painting that she created for you. And I'm wondering, as you were sitting there playing these pieces, is there a piece that comes to mind where you can literally imagine yourself looking at that painting while you're playing it? Kind of all of them. But um, but they do different things. I mean, uh, they bring out different elements of the painting. I, you know, a piece of, let's say, Tomika Reed volplaning. There's a bird in the painting. There's not not really a bird like that in in the uh, Botticelli. So that, that's Charlene's symbol. And she works in such an interesting way. She'll add layers to her painting over time. And so the painting was kind of finished, and she felt that the painting needed a sense of direction and, and was missing something. And she put this bird in that spot to sort of direct our eyes in a certain direction. And, of course, it's a symbol in, in its own right. I 
feel like I'm that bird when I play Tomika's piece because, you know, she's she's talking about birds that can travel the ocean over weeks and they dive down. They never touch down, actually, they, but they do dive down. And this idea of sort of diving through the canvas and flying through the canvas is very much a feeling that it you know, I, I get when I play Tomika's piece. With Missy Mazzoli, um, Missy really went to the heart of what Charlene went through in translating and adapting an older work of art to a new context and a new, new shape and form. And so Missy... Missy sought out a piece by Josquin Desprez, and she wanted to take that piece, which is a six-part polyphonic work, and translate that to a solo cello. And so she, she sort of flattened out this three-dimensional work uh, into, a, into a more linear form. That's the experience I have looking at at Charlene's painting. Also, is that there's our mind works in a linear way. We we experience one event and then the next, and we look at one figure and then the next. But once you've done that, they start to swirl and come to life, and 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 it it begins to have movement, and and uh, it sort of then takes you to a more transcendent or a different place, anyway. And uh, Missy's piece absolutely has that effect on me. You know, I'm playing it, and it's it it starts to almost be dizzying in in its sort of circular and repeating aspect. I mean, the original does that too, actually. The the Josquin, and that that will come out on uh, on the third album too. It, uh, it might be released a little sooner as a single, and it's. I have to say, I think I'm obsessed with the Josquin, the that Prater. Rerum Serium piece that, that Missy was inspired by, as I am by the original Botticelli painting. It's really, it, I, I've forgotten how, you know, 200 years before Bach, there was such complexity and, and counterpoint and, and uh, pretty, pretty miraculous music. And Missy's piece provides a bridge to the Kyrie by Josquin Dupre. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because that's how the recording starts. Yeah, the funny thing is that the, that the Josquin is definitely a bridge, but that particular piece, the Kyrie, was the inspiration that Lisa Bialawa had from the previous album. So the 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 first album is called Primavera One, The Wind, and it ends with Lisa Bialawa's Misa Primavera. And Lisa 
totally independent of Missy. They did not talk. <laughs> uh, they, they both had this idea to go back to Josquin and in very different ways use Josquin as an inspiration for their pieces. I want to ask you about the piece Beseeching. If I'm reading this correctly, are you actually using four cellos to create what we hear? Not at the same time. I haven't figured that out yet. I wish I could. It would save me a lot of money. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, the, I overdubbed. It was very pandemic friendly, um, very, very safe. I, I overdubbed all four parts of the Josquin, and I overdubbed all the six parts of the <laughs> the other Josquin piece, um, which took a substantial amount of time, and I think it's worth it. It was it was really great. I can't wait to play it with other human beings and, and have a conversation with it. But um, but yeah, that's uh, the Texas piece is um, four overlaid cellos, and, and uh, so all the parts were recorded independently. composer is Texu Kim. Texu Kim, he's based in Portland, Oregon, Korean American. Uh, brilliant composer, uh, the sweetest human being, and really pushed the envelope, you know, in terms of the, the that's another piece as an example of, of, you know, extended techniques and effects. I think, I think there are various influences there, um, some Korean instruments, but also kind of a, almost a bohemian feeling at times to that to that piece it's it's interesting Sky McClay's piece is 1323 and this actually goes through groupings of figures in the paintings. Can you talk a little bit about this? Yeah, it's fascinating, you know, to each one of us is going to see different relationships and groupings in the in the painting. You've got the three graces. You have um, the two ladies on the on the right of the painting. You have the s- single you know, Zephyrus and on one side and Mercury on the other, and and Cupid uh, and Venus, of course, at the center. So how you see the relationships of those, it varies for different different people. And Sky interpreted as as uh, interestingly, actually, yeah, one, three, two. She's got a little bit of overlap in there, but it's it's a uh, it's it's she uses that she translates that into motivic and and you know rhythmic and melodic you know, solutions for the, those, those numbers take on a certain symbolism and meaning. Nia Franklin created a piece that focuses on the goddess Venus and women's complex roles in our shared humanity. Can you tell me about this piece? Yeah, Aphrodite, I think. Yeah, the clever name, actually. I like it. <laughs> and uh, Nia is an extraordinary lady. Um, you know, I don't know what she can't do. I mean, she. I think she was Miss America two years ago. Um, and 
She is a composer. She's an amazing singer. She, yeah, she's obviously gorgeous. And, and so she celebrated that in the painting and, and uh, just wonderful to work with also. And, and, you know, she's much younger as a composer than Missy Mazzoli. And so she's just gaining experience now. And um, I believe it was her first solo cello piece. But I heard a quartet that she had written, and I was really impressed. And she was recommended by several of the composers. And it was really fun to work with her and shape the piece together. And And she was so open. It was really wonderful, very humble about, you know, constantly listening with critical ears and, you know, what 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 could improve the work. And, and so we went back and forth, and, and it's really a very beautiful depiction of, of Venus. Notice that each piece is relatively short, which makes me wonder if maybe they're intended to be encores, perhaps? Um, I just wanted to make sure that I could play as many as possible <laughs> in programs. And, um, you know, I'm used to playing Bach cello suites, and, and you can do about three. Uh, occasionally, I'll do a marathon, and people will have dinner in between, and <laughs> we do six. But, but you know, it's, I think also in general... Um, everybody's attention spans, you know, it's just has shrunk so much. And uh, so the idea of, you know, just a little bit more of a pop mentality that just let's limit it. And, you know, one minute, two minutes seems a little bit too short, uh, unless it's a very special piece, you know, Vabrin or, you know, something of that sort. But uh, five minutes, you can do quite a lot. And actually, Going back to that Josquin uh, six-part piece, I mean, it's only five minutes, but to me, it feels like a Mahler symphony. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable what happens in that that piece. So it's interesting to see how composers approach that five minutes, whether it's a, they're trying to pack it all in. I mean, Vijay Iyer's piece from the first album is, is, uh, it's more like 10 minutes actually, but, but it's, it's, feels epic. You know, it's, it's really um, very much a sweet form. It's different sections. And other works sort of are more contained and, and sort of the composer says everything they want to say in three minutes. Do you ever imagine any of these being arranged for more than cello? Yes. We we are going back to the idea, you know, with orchestra and, and I'd love to get some partners with, with some orchestras and conductors to to maybe take a few of them and uh, maybe nine of them, as we originally planned, to to develop yes a cello and orchestra, a tone poem idea. I think some of them would lend themselves very well to that. So in a way, then the solo piece is a study, you know, looking at the art world and uh, for the for the larger the larger painting. Matt, what are you discovering about yourself? as you work on this elaborate project and you learn these world premieres and maybe it's something that surprised you i guess it's it it has surprised me that this project has given me so much fulfillment i do miss playing as much as i used to but it really has kept my glass full you know to to have this new music and i also i guess it gives me a perspective on 
what I'm leaving behind. You know, I, I feel like this is, you know, I've done, I've taken a few risks in my career and, and, you know, tried different things and put myself out there. And I feel like with this, I just can't wait for generations of cellists to play this music and for this music to become part of our repertoire and lexicon and, and also open audiences ears to this music because I, I mean, it's, it's been amazing how much resistance still I encounter when I program new music. You know, it, it's still, I get a lot of audience, young and old, who really would love to hear Beethoven and, and Bach. And they've never heard this music. And so there's a lot of resistance. And the biggest compliment that I have received over the last months has been, Okay, you won me over. This is really cool. I, I really, I have not heard the cello like this, and it's really beautiful music. And to me, I realize how important my missionary work <laughs> is in that respect. You know, to to really advocate for these composers and to bring this music to life, and and really just be part of the fabric of making sure that classical music is a vibrant, living entity. The second in a series of six recordings celebrating two incredible paintings. It's a large-scale commissioning project from cellist Matt Heimovitz. The recording is called Primavera II, Rabbits. Thanks to Valerie Kaler, our producer for New Classical Tracks. I'm Julia Macher. Be sure to join us next time for New Classical Tracks from American Public Media. ¶¶